0: Welcome, this is my wife. For those that don't know, where's your mic? We've got two mics today. Uh, this is the first time um, we we're, we're preaching together. Um, I'm a little bit nervous. Um, you know, when when I have the <laughs> you know, when when I have the mic, you know, I say whatever I want about the missus, and she can't reply. <laughs> but I feel like there could be a little bit of uh, pushback today and uh, we are talking about marriage tonight and it's not just because it's Mother's Day family related, but that's where we are in the book of Ephesians. Um, I'm going to read the scriptures, um, the scripture, and then we're going to um, teach through together and hopefully a little bit more relaxed. As you can see, we we purposely just sat and um, yeah, a little bit more relaxed, so... Um, yeah, so we're going to go. <laughs> I keep saying relax, but I don't feel like relaxed eh? today. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 to 33. And it reads this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ's, This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Amen, 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 amen. Give you the context of where we're at in Ephesians. If you remember, Ephesians is all around this word gospel. Gospel the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus says that we who were once dead in our sin are now alive through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And for all who believe, for all who believe, it is this gospel that we don't just believe it with our heads, but it must penetrate every area of our lives including relationships and marriage. You can't be a Christian, you can't be a Jesus follower and pick and choose when or where you follow him. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about marriage, but I really want to say a few things. Marriage is not the end goal in life. And I don't say this after 12 years of marriage (laughs) Marriage is great, but marriage is not the end goal in life and this is and this is a huge thing for firstly all of our singles do not fall into the temptation of making marriage an idol in your life. God did not create you for the sake of marriage God created you for his sake okay now we we talk to a lot of people a lot of people come up and you know I'm I'm so lonely. Why would God do this to me? You know, I want to get married. I'm, you know, and they they pretty much just say, "Look, I'm so desperate." Right? All <laughs> right. And some of, there, there's some nervous laughter here, and then some people, you know, it's okay. I'm I'm, I'm just going to not try to look at anyone specific, okay? But here's the thing, it was not God's intention that you were created for marriage. It was God's intention that you were created for his purposes. And marriage is one area, one area where we can live for God. It's where the gospel of Jesus can be amplified uh, to those who are married inside that marriage and then to those outside who see that marriage. We are called to have marriages that don't necessarily represent happiness or compatibility. But our marriages must represent the gospel of Jesus. Now, here's an interesting question. If you were driving a car and you went out to the car and the mechanic said to you, there's something not quite right with this car. And thirty-three percent of the time, one out of three times, this car might actually explode. All right. So you you drive the car three times, percentage wise, thirty-three percent. If you drive it, the car might explode. Would you get into that car? And 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 the answer is no. Okay. Now, in the same way, if I told you that if the same, if you were in America. Or if you were in Great Britain and you were in the same car, actually the statistics went to 50% chance, one in two chance that when you get into the car and you drive, the car will explode, would you get into the car? Would you? Would you? No, thank you. Thanks. You know, I feel, actually, I feel a little bit more freedom than my wife's here. You know, she's watching you. She can see things that I see, this quiet community we have. Do you know what? These are the marriage and divorce statistics. In Australia, 33% of marriages end in divorce. Okay. And in America and in Great Britain, that percentage is 50%. Right? And this is not different inside or outside the church. As much as we'd love to think that because we're Christian, we're holier and whatnot. It's not. So it's like this, right? Thirty-three percent chance that you get in that car and it's going to explode. You're going to really sit and think about what you're going to do with that car. But I think what what is very interesting is when we get to marriage, we don't really think like that. We just think, oh well, you know, they're attractive, we're compatible. You know, we look good on Instagram together. Come on, let's roll the dice. <laughs> let's roll the dice. One in three, bang. You know, two in three. As long as we hit that 66%, we'll be okay. But that's, that's a scary, scary thought, right? The average length of marriage, uh, for those that do end up getting a divorce, is, is 12 years. Now, I want to pause there, okay? Because I, I, we will continue to talk about this. But I want to take a moment right now to acknowledge that divorce is real. Divorce is real. The pain and the suffering that come from broken relationships, not just in marriage but in family and in work and friendship, that's real. And so please don't hear and and hear the rest of this sermon as, as, well, this is for those people that have a chance of not having a divorce, but I've already been there. Or I've already gone through that. I've already gone through that marriage breakdown. We are not putting you on the spot. We're just trying to tell you what God's Word says in this portion of Scripture. But I want to acknowledge, I really do. There are so many of us that have gone through divorce, whether it's in our own marriage or whether it was your parents, uh, including my wife, whose parents were separated. Now, I'm not, I do not want to take away any of that pain and suffering and what you have gone through. You know, I know 90% of people Mother's Day is a great celebration, but, you know, there's that 10% that actually Mother's Day is not a great celebration. It's a reminder of the, the hurt and the hate that they had to go through. And I want to just, I want to recognize that. And I want to just acknowledge that um, and, and not to be completely naive and think that everyone in this room is, you know, in a great situation. So please let me just acknowledge that. Acknowledge that the pain and suffering that you have gone through, maybe you're going through right now, is real. We'd love to talk more to you. We'd love to pray for you. And God, God is for you. Okay? So I really want to acknowledge that. Okay? Now, divorce um, is, is... obviously tough on on the two individuals but i was reading some uh, articles about divorce and you know once again it's not because i want to put people on a guilt trip and whatnot but i want to just show you psychologically this is studies have shown what effects that divorce have on children okay now this isn't this this isn't maybe okay each one has had multiple studies done all over the world okay Children may lose time with each parent, obviously, because you're having to share time. Children may lose economic security. You can go from a double income. In America, one of the biggest stats was single mums. 60% of divorced mums who are single live in poverty. Why? Because they can't find a job because they have to watch their children. It's huge. Children may lose emotional security. Children may have decreased social and psychological maturation children may change his or her outlook on sexual behavior children may lose their religious faith and practice children may lose cognitive and academic stimulation children may be less physically healthy children may have higher risk of e- emotional distress each one and as i said if you want to know more come and talk to me but each one there is multiple studies done so you know when someone said to me is there a difference from children who grow up in a marriage that is together and children who grow up in a broken family, is not really that different? You know, half the world's getting into divorce. The is there really a difference? And the answer is yes. Yes. There is a big difference. What Paul is going to say in this passage is what we're going to try to say as well. Is that the best chance that we have at healthy marriage and healthy family is when the gospel of Jesus is at the center of it, not you and me. And we're going to tell you some funny stories at the as is cash. We have a, the last part. We don't actually know what each of us are going to say. So just be ready for that part, okay? All right, so let's open the Scriptures. Mel's going to go first because Paul addresses the wives. And if I say, wives, listen, you're just going to be like, you sit down, okay? So I'm going to let my wife speak on what Paul says in verse 20
1: to 24. Um, Good afternoon, church. We're coming from a long sleepover that my uh, 12-year-old son had, and we got maybe five hours of sleep. They were up... Very late and awake very early, so just bear with us. (laughs) Uh Let's go to the scriptures. Uh, Let's go to verse 22. Can we get that up? Thank you. Um, So it reads, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should... Submit to their husbands in everything. That's it. Thank you. So, so far in Ephesians, we've been in the book of Ephesians. uh, Paul has been addressing the church in Ephesus about unity, about the headship of Christ, um, and then the unity and the submission that needs to come from the members um, to make the body really thrive. Um, And you know what? It's exactly the same in marriage. So, the two become one and there can only be one head right and so um so for in order for unity to exist in marriage um, the wives need to submit to the husbands and then of course in return the husbands need to love their wives now i know most women feel really uncomfortable when they hear the word submission Um, You know, we kind of live sort of a post-feminist age where women can do everything and we have equal rights, and we do. Um, But I want to make it very clear, and I kind of want to redeem the idea of submission. Like, submission isn't passive, and submission isn't passive-aggressive, but submission is actually very active. And what submission is, is the woman actually willingly puts herself under the care of uh, the man or her husband in this case. So really, if you want to be able to submit to your husband, there's a key element, and that's trust. You need, be, you need to be able to trust this man for you to, I guess, willingly um, submit to his headship. So just like the, you know, just like the way we submit to Jesus, um, we need to submit to our husband so that he can love us and be that authority for us in our lives. But, obviously, this is not easy. Trust is not easy. Uh, we've been married 12 years now. Over 12 years, we got over the average divorce. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I think for the first seven years, I really struggled to trust this guy. Um, yeah, um, and you know, it took me a long time actually to realize that my mistrust in him, um, actually, it didn't allow me to submit to him, and it didn't actually, it actually didn't give him a platform where I could respect him and he could love me. Um, you know, I really couldn't trust that he had my best interest in mind, um, and I couldn't trust his, you know, intentions or his ability to, you know, provide or do everything that I wanted. Um, so I think for the first seven years, um, you know, I kind, of, I kind of ruled the house, you know, or we fought to be, you know, the head of the house. Um, and, you know, it's not that I did everything myself, um, but it was like I made sure that he knew what I wanted and he did it in the time frame that I wanted um, because that was the best way. And then I think, yeah, I realised that that was actually very suffocating for Steve um, and actually it wasn't, it wasn't, there was no freedom for me. It didn't make me any happier um, because I was so caught up with what I wanted um, that there was no space for us. Um, so I think the beauty of marriage is really found in this um, mutual submission uh, where the wife submits to the husband and the husband loves the wife. Uh, When the wife submits to the husband, it really does create a place where the husband can love his wife and should love his bride extravagantly. Um, And let me tell you this, ladies, I know that we've been told, right, that the best thing, you know, the most satisfying thing about marriage is to be happy, Um, you know, is your own happiness, but that's a lie. I think um, we will find our marriage is most satisfying when there is oneness um, and not just our own happiness. Yeah.
0: It was a tough seven years, guys. <laughs> Verse twenty. Where are we? Twenty-five. Husbands, listen, listen, husbands, and all the wives said, "Amen." Amen. <laughs> Love your wives. Woo. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. What's next? In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Mm, We'll stop there. Men, whether you're a husband or you're a husband-to-be, the Bible commands us love your wife and you kind of think right duh you know it seems like a very obvious thing but one of the things interesting things about men and women is our highest um desires are very different and and paul says this if you go to verse 33 however each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband do you know that the, the deepest desire for any female is to be loved, to be embraced in who they are. And and not just like, hey, I love you, honey, but like to really feel loved. All right, I'm going to talk about that later Um, because there's a way that guys can love and the women don't feel loved, and it's very confusing. Um, But for guys, okay, for guys, we don't really care as much as whether we're loved or not, but we care whether we're respected. And that's a really important thing um I wish I had more time to talk about that, but um respect is a really, really important word for all men um now, men, let's go back to the men. How much are you meant to love your wife now, if you're single, okay, listen carefully because if you're not ready at the standard that the Bible tells us that you should be at then maybe you're not ready to get married, okay? What extent are we meant to love our wives? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What did Jesus do for the church? He died on a cross. Not metaphorically, not ideologically, the boy's heart stopped. He died. Men, the job of the husband is to die to our own rights. I'll tell you why, it's the hardest thing to do. Yeah, I love my wife, I love my wife, I love my wife, but the extent of that love is that you need to be able to, in what we say, die to your rights. As a man, as a human being, you have rights. You have the right to pursue happiness. You have the right to dream big. But when you get married, you better be ready to lay all of that down to, for the sake of loving your um, wife. Paul says that it is the job of the husbands, and this is interesting, it's the job of the husband to make our wives holy and blameless. Cleansing her with water, presenting her to God. God without staying wrinkle and you that's the job of the husband. I truly believe, I truly believe, right, in any mess with, within a marriage or within a relationship, there's always two sides of the story, and it's always going to be both people in fault, right? And when it works well, it's going to be when both people are, are working well. But I also do believe that it's not 50 50, I truly, truly believe it's 51 on the man's side. And I don't I, I believe this. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but I am convicted of this. That when there is issues between a man and a woman, the men have that extra 2%. Because I think it is the job of the man first, before anything that the woman does, to lay down his everything for her. Now, how do we do this? How do we lay down our lives for our wives or our future wives? Well, we love them like we love our own bodies. That's what it says. Love them like you love yourself. You know, it's interesting. We don't want to admit it, and and we think that women are vain. Right? We think that women get caught up in the beauty and the aesthetics, and, and <coughs> that's why we only have you know nails and, and massages and hand scrubs uh, on Mother's Day, on Father's Day. We don't have any of that. But I promise you, some of you men, you like massages and you like hand scrubs. Okay. I you know, I've been confessing my sins, not sins. I've been confessing these things like, you know, I've got this new hand wash, I mean my face wash, and some of you men are like, you know, how dare you betray us like that? And I'm like, dude, have you seen my white heads? They're huge. <laughs> and I'm getting pimple. Anyway. You know, like we think that it's 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 women that are vain and up themselves, but I promise you, men, we are as bad. You just can't admit it. None of us. None of us men, all the women are like, damn right, preacher, preach on. No guy here turned up and just rolled out of bed. I know some of us sometimes look like that, but every guy here, and I'm I'm going, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure nearly 100% of all the guys here did something to their hair, right, before they came to church, maybe bar. But George, because he's got a hat on. So, you know, that's the reason. George and Shona. We know Shona why Shona wears hats to church because too busy for showering. So <laughs> but you know what? Let's let's be honest, right? For guys, if you're hungry, you will not starve yourself. You will go and find something to eat, even if you have to pick it off a tree. For men, if you're tired. You, you will not just, you will not rob your body of rest. You will find time to rest your body. Uh, we we will not neglect our own bodies. We will wash and care and feed them the best we can because we love ourselves. And here's the thing, that's the way we're meant to love our wives. And you know what, uh, to, to sort of nurture it, uh, to sort of summarize it all down, it's don't ignore your wife and their needs. Now, I've been married for 12 years, and I, I can tell you story on story, and I'm sure Mel can t- tell even more stories of times where I've just been too caught up in myself and my own desires and thoughts and just completely ignored Mel. My apologies. We're good now. We're going to keep going. So, what does this look like, right? What does this look like? Okay, if this is what the Bible is telling us, right? Submission, respect, love. Die to you, so what does this look like, right? And so we want to we want to share some practical things. Okay, we don't want to just leave you with some theology. We want to share some practical things. So Mel's going to share four practical things for the wives. I'm going to share four practical things for the husbands.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, this is just for the wives, um, men you know, with girlfriends or whatever, you know, if you want the respect that you really want, then you should put a ring on it Amen. before you demand anything else. Amen. So, um, yeah, hope uh, excited uh, uh, uh. for some weddings coming up, hey? Okay, so four things, four practical things that I'm going to encourage the ladies here to do to their husbands, okay? Really easy, okay? I know sometimes uh, respect can seem like, you know, a very big thing, but it really starts with the small things, okay? So number one, oh, I didn't know we had slides. Don't nag. Amen. Okay. Oh. (coughs) He will do it, okay? He will do it in his time, okay? He will do it, okay? So, create (laughs) space. Create space for him to do it. I know, I know it kills you, okay? Because you want it done now, I get it, but just give him seven days, okay? Seven days. Um, one, of the, one of one one. So, I, I picked up on this in our marriage. Um, and I'd be like, hey, um, you know, uh, can you take out the rubbish? Uh, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And, you know, he, there was no immediate response. And I'm like, no, like, can you take out the rubbish? And he goes, yeah, I'll do it. And I was like, hmm. And then, you know, um, and then there's another thing. Hey, oh, can you, like, um, can you change the kid's diaper? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. (laughs) Like, bro, it stinks. His boot, can you change his diaper? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I just need to watch the footy game, you know? And so I think something that, you know, I learned was, okay, I need to give this dude, like, I need to make him feel like he's in control, right? So it's like, hey. You know, can you just take out the rubbish by the end of today? Okay? Hey, can you just change this diaper before it explodes? And and you know what? Like it's it doesn't seem like a big thing, but that little gesture kind of gives your guy this like, oh yeah, I'm on top of my game. You know? And they're so <laughs> they're so simple. Like that's all you need to do. And you know what? Then they do it. But if you're like, Bro, take out the rubbish. Steve, rubbish, now, come on, now, now. They just become so resistant and like it's this inner child that's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it now. I'm going to make you wait for it. You know, and you guys are all laughing because you 100% know what I'm talking about, right? So don't nag, okay? Don't nag. Tell him he will do it. Trust him. Just give him time, okay? Seven days, you know, it's all right. okay second point be kind right now girls we all know that we can be pretty savage you know some of the stuff is said some of the stuff is just not said but you know there's like laser coming out of your eyes or you know maybe he'll say something and you're just like rolling your head like rolling your eyes the back of your head because it's just so stupid but you know, you have to consciously tame that tiger in you and you have to be kind, you know, with your words, with your actions, with the rolling of eyes, you know, the body language. You know, maybe you like kind of cross your arms and look at him or like, you know, we all know, we all know that we can be savage, right? So, be kind. Um, <clears throat> although our men look strong and they are strong, right? They are strong but they are weakest to our compliments. So really, I think, you know, we really need to um, be kind and build into them instead of, you know, kind of being passive aggressive and, you know, doing all this stuff that we can do and we naturally do, okay? So um, be kind to them because, you know, really, the husband really thinks the world of what the wife thinks about him, okay? Uh, Point three is... Give him the benefit of the doubt, okay? This is the prime example. Hey, honey, you look nice today. Immediately, what do you want? (laughs) Right? Like, what do you want? Or like, he's doing the dishes. It's like, what's wrong? What did you do? You know? And I don't know (laughs) what it is. You know, they probably didn't do anything. Actually, maybe they did. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe they do do some silly things and that's what they do. But give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, if he says, hey, you look nice today, right? Then be like, thanks. Or like, he's doing the dishes. Like, thanks, honey. I appreciate you doing the dishes. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Because, you know, even if you're wrong, what's it? What, what do you have to lose? You make your husband feel great. You have nothing to lose, you know? Um, and say yes. So this is for the marrieds, say yes. Um, it could mean a lot of things. So, there are say yes to the nighttime activities that come, whoa. <laughs> with marriage. Say yes. Why not? Say yes. You know? Um, but it's more than that. <laughs> it's more than that, okay? It's his ideas, you know, his thoughts, um, his feelings. Say yes. Just... You know, take the time to affirm him, then to cut him down. Because, you know, he'll go out into the world and the world will tell him he's not good enough. You know, they'll cut him down. They'll make him work hard for that affirmation, right? And as the wife, you want to you be the last place where he has to work for that, for, the, for your approval, for your love. So, say yes. Affirm him rather than, you know, cutting him down. So, Four tips. It's pretty easy but really hard. Good luck. And maybe yeah, it's a start to something really a lot more beautiful in your marriage.
0: Dear husbands, you guys are awesome. Amen. That's it. You know? (laughs) Um Oh man. Man. Man, man, man. I also have four things. Um, this is really to help the guys that are married um, and for the guys that will get there one day, um, take this on board because they will help you. They will save you many, many hours of pain and suffering as you just forget that you need to die. Um, here we go, four points. Number one, um, these these are coming out of my own experience, B1. And then this is really important. I think this is the biggest one. You know, this idea that you know two will become one. For the male, anyway, it's, it's, it, I think it's harder for men to lose the identity that they are the man, they are themselves, and then they are suddenly now one with another person attached to them. And, and, and I, I say this because I think the reason why the first seven years was tough is because it took me seven years to work this out because for 7 years i had a roommate or a housemate but we were still two separate identities you know like you know separate bank accounts and separate schedules and we just overlapped each other but men and and this is for the women too but if you in marriage if you can't work out that you're one then you're stuffed it's as simple as that okay I was like, "Oh, I should try to be really you know gracious about this one, but this one I can't, because if if you are not being what God designed marriage to be, which is to be one, then you're trying to, you're trying to live a double life pretty much. You're trying to make something that's not meant to happen happen. Uh, so men, how do you do that? You die to yourself, and you, you start doing things like going to brunch. I didn't even know brunch was a meal, you know, until I got married, you know. It was like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What's brunch, you know? <laughs> okay. Uh, secondly, men take responsibility. Oh, I'm so sick of watching men not act like men and not being responsible. And this is where that 51% comes in. Yes, you both might have issues and you both might disagree. But as men, you have to take that responsibility. That's the way God created men. Even if you're right. Oh, man, we have so much like marriage advice. If anyone's getting married, our premarital is amazing because we got so much of it. And even after we got married, there were so many good tips, right? Who cares if you're Right if you destroy the other person see that's because you're not thinking that we're one why would you destroy your arm and your legs like see i told you i was right and your arms like dying you wouldn't do that it's because you still consider yourself separate but for men we need to learn to be responsible for our own actions and in our marriage i promise you when you get to god god will ask you not not your wife god will ask You as the man, why did your marriage end up this way? Thirdly, die to yourself. Love the way Christ loved. Die to yourself. This one, you, uh, I I will save you so much pain and suffering if you understand this one. When you wake up every morning and you're like, I have dreams to conquer the world. I want to do this and I want to go play golf and I want to meet my friends and I want to do this. And then as you, in that same motion, you roll over and you see your wife and whatever she looks like in the morning, mine obviously looks amazing. Oh, I should I showed that photo. Hey, I got this photo. My wife sleeps like this because she's always watching something before she sleeps and the phone slips and she's just like this. I'll share the photo next week. If you can die early, men, your life will be so much better. As he's saying, if you win, men, listen hard. Married men, listen hard. This one's for free. If you win, you lose. But if you lose, you win. Right, that's deep. That one's for free. That's Twitter worthy right there. Finally, love the way your wife feels loved. We can talk about five love languages. My love language is access service. So um, I love people that I love, I love doing things for them. You know, you know, buy them a meal, you know, you know, bring them a present, whatever. Right. I'll do something. And I also feel loved when someone does that for me. My wife, however, is not like that. She is, all five of those love languages, really. Um, but, but she's um, gifts and expensive gifts. Okay, that's her love languages. There was one, there was one birthday weekend where I planned meticulously a three-day Whole weekend, kids were at my mum's, and bless my mum, looking after my kids. And it was like we had lunch with this person, and I and I and I like we had meals with just special people in our life. And it was this beautiful journey. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, went for massage, went on this tour, and it was so beautiful. And I'm like pumping my my wallet is thin and thin and thin, you know. And by the end of it, right, and and I'm like, oh, I am the best husband in the world. Right? And then at the end of it all, I'm waiting for this. Thank you. You have made me feel so special. Thank you for loving me. You're so amazing. But what I got was, hey, that was great. So where's my present? And I was like, are you kidding me? And then a big fight happened out of that one. Right? Because. Even though I did things that I guess I would feel loved, it wasn't the same so I, I it didn't connect, and so I've learned for me anyway, don't bother doing stuff, just buy the gift card you know like you know so my wife's birthday is coming up, and um I was like, yeah, honey, I'm gonna buy you this. I'm gonna get you this. She's like, ah. And then one day we're walking the shop. She goes, oh, there's the shoes that I want. But, and she's learned too. Buy me the shoes for, for my birthday. I said, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Save me about three weeks of trying to think of this, right? Done. She got the present she wants. She feels loved. I don't have to think about it for three weeks. I feel like I'm the best husband in the world. Love the way your, lo- your wife feels loved. Guys miss this a lot. We do. Okay? Don't love the way you want to be loved. Okay? (laughs) Love the way that your wife wants to be loved. Okay. Now, we're having so much fun. Time has gone so quickly. And we're not going to have too much more time for this. So I'm just going to conclude. Okay? If you want to hear the stories, we have millions. Come over. We'll talk over dinner. You know, you guys can work out our counseling later. Don't worry. Here's the thing. Paul is saying this. In every area of your life, if you want the best that God has for you, if you want to experience the fullness of life, then God must be present. That could be your work. That could be uh, your children. That could be your relationships. And it's definitely your marriage. We have... I'm I'm not not even like, just because I'm bragging, we have a great marriage. And it wasn't always like this, you know? Like, it it was pretty tough. Like, there were days where I was like, Lord, take me now. Like, right now, take me now. Like, okay, Jesus, you want to come? Right now would be good, right? And I'm sure my wife has thought that a lot more than I have. But we, we can honestly say that after 12 years, this is the best it has ever been in 12 years. But, It's because we have fought and we have worked so hard and we have allowed people with life experience and and just to speak into us and we have great community and we have people that we're transparent with and we continue to make Jesus the center. My wife is always asking, how can I love and respect my husband the way Jesus would. And I'm asking, how can I love my wife like Jesus loved the church? Okay, said so there's so many implications and applications, but I just want to finish that. It's as simple as that. And we want it to be as sort of open as, as, as we are and um, just to share a little bit about, you know, where we're at. Bottom line, friends. If Jesus is there, then you have the greatest hope ever. But if jesus is not there you're literally you're rolling dice against the wall and hoping for the best i pray that our marriages and our future marriages and our families and you know what even if your parents come even if you come from a broken family it does not mean that that has to be your life god can redeem that over one generation Even if you come from a broken family, doesn't mean that that is the future for your children. You can pray over that. You can change their destiny through your prayers as a parent. God can redeem all of this brokenness, but He can't do it if He's not involved. So let God get involved. Let's pray.